Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Stress Sessions. It's been a bit of a tough week this week. Yes, this episode's a day or two late, but it's been a real struggle. I don't know what it is and I can't really put my finger on it completely. I've just been feeling a little bit shit about everything. It could be the whole countdown to freedom thing, which frankly still seems a long way off. But I think quite a few people have gone through this patch that I'm going through at the one point or another over the past year. We moved into a new house just for Christmas and it's been so weird because we can't have any visitors, which is the same situation as everybody else is having to part with. But it just takes a bit of the shine off the whole new house thing, which is meant to be really exciting. And I just can't wait to sit in the garden with a mate, drinking a beer, in the sun, or just literally having the in-laws around for a barbecue. I don't really care. I just really miss that kind of basic human interaction that I think everybody's craving at the minute. So yeah, that's that's just a little why this is a little bit late, really. But yeah, so who have I got on the stress sessions this week? Well, technically this one was recorded quite a few months ago, definitely before Christmas, but surprise, surprise, nothing's outdated because everything is still the same. I'm speaking to Birmingham City ladies captain and Scottish international midfielder, Christy Murray. It was honestly a really enjoyable chat with her. Mostly because I love talking about football. But don't worry, it's not overly football heavy, so don't switch off just yet. So without further ado, here's the Stress Sessions with Christy Murray. Hey Christy. Hello Luke, how are you doing? Yeah, really well thank you, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good, good. just busy training and stuff, but all good. <laughs> all thank good. you so much for your time. You're absolutely welcome. Um, firstly, I just want to say, obviously, what you're doing is amazing, like being able to share your story, I think that's like so brave, so well done to you, and you're also probably helping so many other people by doing that, and from you telling me that now you also already have, so like class like and continue to do it because you will help a lot of people a lot of people obviously suffer in, in silence and stuff like that so seeing your bravery obviously hopefully help somebody else as well no thank you thanks for saying that because yeah that does mean a lot to me so thank you who, who do you support do you support celtic or glasgow i'm a celtic fan yeah, I grew oh, up um, going to all the Celtic games and stuff like that. I had a season ticket, so um, yeah, I loved it. I mean, they went through a really good period when I was growing up, and like Henrik Larsson, and Chris Sutton, they'd so many, still in Petrov, they had a lot of players um, who just, at that time, just really gelled and, and played good football, and they, they'd done really well in the Champions League, and then the Europe, it was like the Europa League, um, so they got to the final um, in Seville against Porto, which was Mourinho's kind of team that went on to win it so I grew up watching a lot of really really good games at Celtic Park so yeah I'm a Celtic fan. Yeah because I, I remember my um so 
I've got a unrelated uncle who who supports Celtic. He's <laughs> Irish, and he um, he used to watch all the Celtic matches at his, at his house. And I used to go around there at weekends, and I used to love watching Henrik Larsson because he was just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he's my hero. That's who I grew up like idolising. Just he was just so good. He'd win games on his own sometimes with just some brilliant like yeah. clever movement or touches and just some of the finishes. You're like got everything. Yeah, he was amazing. I, I never got to see him play live, so I saw Stylian Petrov play for Villa. Um, Villa, he was, yeah, he did a good career, didn't he? He was very good. Yeah, really, really mm-hmm. good. I'd like to find out, out a little bit about you. Really, you've had a amazing career haven't you I think that you've played for some amazing teams you're, you're captain in Birmingham at the minute I've never spoke to a captain of a football team before outside of my Sunday league so <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a little bit different to that I mean it's the same it's the same really I think for me like um, coming to Birmingham was just an opportunity for me to come to a new club fresh start and hopefully opportunity to play more regularly um, with a team and in a good environment that I feel valued. Um, so then for the manager to ask me to do that as well was obviously a huge honour. Um, for me, it's never really something that bothered me, like being a captain or not. Some people really, really want to do it, but I think for me, I've always so, like tried to lead by example anyway, like with or without an armband. Um, so I don't feel like much changes unless it's just maybe certain conversations just try to help. Um, the group or, or organisational things and just things that can help push us better with like just liaising with the staff and then obviously the players as well so I think on that sense it's just a little bit extra but other than that for me I don't really feel like much else changes I think there's obviously still a responsibility as a player to, to perform every, every day in training and that's the same for everyone so um, so yeah obviously it's, it's a massive honour and like I love doing it um, yeah and I'm just enjoying playing my football again as, as a captain as well, you must get the other teammates coming up to you and asking for advice and help because as a, as a captain of a football team, you're looked up to as, as kind of like a role model figure. I think it depends. It depends on like kind of the club's standing and uh, I think coming into us, like our season this year, we the club struggled um, the previous season so they were like in the relegation battle and I think this year it was a similar kind of talking before the, se- the season started. Um, so for us, there wasn't really any pressure because people didn't expect much in some ways. Um, but I think that we're fortunate enough that we've got a really tight-knit group and, and people just want to work hard. And I think when you've got a, a tight-knit group and people who want to work hard, you can actually do something. Um, despite playing against teams who have maybe potentially better opposition on paper, um, you, can't, um, you can't buy like work rate and you can't buy things like that. So I think that we've used that as one of our strengths for to give us confidence going into going into games. Um, of course, there's pressure, there's pressure in an environment where you want to win every weekend. There is that, but that's kind of a given. Um, and it's just really how you kind of deal with that, both as a team and then also uh, individually. And there's then pressures on potentially if you've had a run of games where you've, you've not been doing well, there's then kind of, it sits in some ways, it's learning how to deal with that and how to find a way to win. Um, and that's something that you kind of, learn as a team and, and overcome as a team as well. With all of like the the pressures of the coronavirus, has mm-hmm. how's that impacted the team morale and kind of I guess you personally is is that has it had a big impact on you guys and and the mm-hmm. way that you kind of train and 
interact with one another. And when you look at the men's game, they just seem to have kind of, they're in their own bubbles and they've kind of just carried on as normal. So is, it, is, it that, is that the same in the ladies' game as well? In a way, yes. I think at the moment um, we're very much in a bubble. We're being tested um, every week. We have to, where possible, socially distance. Um, both in a, so we're actually split over two changing rooms. Um, when we're in meetings, they've got, we've got to be socially distanced. We've got masks on, etc. Like all the, the kind of normal protocols that you've got to do to remain safe and then also for us to continue playing. Um, I think prior to the season beginning, it was probably a bit difficult for a lot of people because, of course, everybody's in lockdown. Gyms and things are shut. Um, you don't really know when there's going to be a return to playing football again. Um, so there's kind of the the, the stress of the unknown because, like, if you like to have a goal in the end of your head, so you're building towards pre-season and then when you're in pre-season, you build towards a game starting. But I think because from obviously March onwards, and then obviously not really knowing if the season was going to go ahead. So like that eventually got cancelled in June. And that was like, I think, probably a relief for most people because we were worried about what was actually going to happen. And then it was actually when it was going to start again. Um, I think personally for myself, it was it was good in some ways. Um, because I, I, during my period at Liverpool, come near the end, I wasn't really playing much. So it actually gave me time to kind of um, just focus on myself, um, on my fitness and and kind of almost take myself out of the situation. Um, but in another way, like, I'm then out of contract. And during a pandemic, it's obviously very difficult to try and f- or find a new club when you don't really know what's happening and if the league's going to go ahead. Um, so I think from that perspective, I, I kind of understand um, the struggles of it. But I, I also then, yeah, I can, I can sympathise with people who've kind of been going through it as well. But we're also very fortunate right now that we're also able to do our jobs when a lot of people can't and they're at home um, day in, day out. So, yeah, I obviously feel very privileged um, to be able to do that still. Do, do you have any kind of, like, stories personally that that you have of, like, have you ever suffered with a mental health illness before or know of somebody that you've kind of had to help in the past? I mean, I've been fortunate enough that I haven't. Um, there's obviously been times where I've struggled. I think probably pre-lockdown I was struggling more so with just the stress of potentially trying to find a new club, what was going on. Um, I had, like, obviously really good close friends and family and my partner that kind of supported me during that. Um, and then obviously just different friends who have maybe struggled. And I think for me it was just important that I was there for them. Like, I maybe didn't even need to speak, you just listen, I think actually allowing people to speak and, and be heard and, and just be there for them. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I can say that I, I've done for, for people. And that I'll always be there if, if somebody's struggling. It could be even be you. You could be like, Christy, I'm struggling today. Like, that would, do you know what I mean? I would always be there for people that wanted to listen. I think having that person to just, even if they don't understand what you're going through, I think that listening itself is a massive, massive help because you just need to kind of like impart or offload sometimes don't you I think so like that's that's a massive help I can sympathize with you the whole the whole like find a new again I didn't have to find a new club but but I am um, it's the same it's a it's technically a job so like you're yeah, working yeah. if you've changed jobs over this the last like three four months several times or one one time even it's just it is a worry in itself because at the end of the day it's your livelihood and it's how you want to live and get by whilst it's obviously my passion and it's something that I love doing like it's also my job as well 
So, um, yeah, I understand totally from your side of it as well. Have you ever had that where you've kind of got to another contract and you thought, oh no, like, I'm, I'm not too sure what's going to be happening like tomorrow or anything like that. Has that ever happened before? Yeah, yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was at Arsenal, um, I had signed a one-year contract. It was my first contract, so I didn't, like they'd offered me the opportunity to sign a two-year contract, but I signed one because mm. it was my first contract. I wanted to make sure that I was happy and that I, it suited me. And, and I was playing, like, I play football because I love it and you train and commit so much to your time. So I wanted to make sure that I was still playing. Um, so at the end of my contract, the club didn't keep me on and they had a lot of top players at the time and, and they still do. Um, and I wasn't going to get the game time that I, I wanted and they kind of told me that probably a couple of months before the, the season was one thing before the season was done so at that point it was then obviously trying to find a new club um which was stressful because I hadn't been in a professional environment I had played for Glasgow City um well I was playing in a professional environment with Glasgow City but in a full-time capacity like paid the, I obviously trained full-time at Glasgow City but we weren't paid um so that was a different challenge in itself and it was kind of a whole new domain for me to try and find a new team. Um, I wanted to stay in England, but I didn't really know how to. One of my teammates at the time, Siobhan Chamberlain, had said to, to speak to the Professional Footballers Association because they could kind of help support that. So I, I spoke to them and they had organised a couple of like club visits and trials um, and then it ended up getting a contract from another club. So, um, yeah, it can be quite stressful. That's... That's the difficulty in, in the career of a footballer, I think, is that if, if you can't find another club whilst you're playing, it must be like, oh, God, what am I going to do now kind of thing? Yeah, I think I think you do need to like be a little bit brave with it, but it's definitely not easy by any means. Like, um, It's difficult in terms of actually settling. Like, If you're quite happy in one area, then to potentially move your life to the other end of the country or potentially abroad, it's also quite daunting. And it's something that, you kind of need to weigh up in terms of like being happy off the pitch as well as being happy on the pitch and, and find a balance. I think, um, yeah, it is very stressful. It, you can say you can sound cool and calm, but see, in it, you're def- I'm definitely not. Um, <laughs> there's always kind of the worry, I think, because of like the, the, the contracts aren't as long either, maybe one or two years. I think there's some now contracts coming in a little bit, a little bit longer, but after the first season, you're then thinking, the next season's my last contract year and then will they give me another one? Am I going to be playing? Am I in the club's plans? Like, what does that look like? When will they start talking to me? Like, and then what happens if they don't? I think there's all these different questions going on in your mind and it's obviously speaking to people about it. Like, I speak to my family and mother half about it um, and kind of, like, almost deload in some ways, like you've said you've, you use the podcast for, um, to kind of almost use it as a... It's almost like cathartic in some ways, um, but yeah, it is it, it is tough. You you learn a lot about yourself, especially in this environment, and how to obviously deal with certain situations. Um, sometimes you 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 kind of get a lot of life lessons in football, um, and you if you're a young player, you grow up very quickly in in some senses. So yeah, it, it is challenging, but it's it's something that I love doing, and I would never change it. What was it like playing at a World Cup? That must have been amazing <laughs> actually amazing um i think for us like we've obviously as a group like we've all kind of grown up together um and then 
to make kind of back-to-back major tournaments, qualifying for the Euros in 2017, and then to make the World Cup, which if you're a football fan, I just love football, that's the pinnacle to play for your country at a World Cup. That's what you play out in the streets, you play cup, we used to play World Cup, so you yeah. pick the team yeah, and yeah. that was it, like that, that was what we played up growing, so like, grew up playing, sorry. Um, so yeah, it was it was an amazing experience, and I think it was it was also amazing to do it with a group of players that we've all kind of grown up together, and that was our goal and our and our dream, and it still is our dream to qualify for the next the next one, and obviously the European Championships coming up in twenty twenty two. But I think just to be part of the whole thing was just and experience it and be there for our first World Cup was just literally without being cliche, it was a dream come true. It was it was amazing, um, and then obviously it was against England, which is obviously going to attract more attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we played it in Nice as well, which was obviously a beautiful part of, of France and, and our, all our families and friends were able to come out and watch because it wasn't so far away. So I think just in a whole, it was a pretty amazing experience to be part of. Um, and I think us as a group have definitely grown from it as well. So hopefully it will help us um, going into our next campaign. Yeah, fingers crossed. You've, yeah. you've had a lot of caps for Scotland. Do you get as excited for every cap as you did the first time that you played? No, I love it. Like, I absolutely love, like, for me, like, playing for my national team is obviously the highlight of my career. I think I've grown up, I've always, like, once I realised I was able to do that, um, that's always been kind of, like, the top of my list is to play for my national team. And, and every time I get to do it, it's obviously a huge honour. Um, and I love it. Like, every time I get the opportunity to do it again, I'm, like, so thankful. Um, because if you think, like, there's so many people and you're able to pull on the jersey for your national team and represent all the people at home. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I love doing it. Is there, like, one or two things that you do to kind of de-stress yourself? Yeah, I think um, I think as I've got older, I think I've become a lot more aware of looking after my mental health. Um, I think when I was younger, there wasn't really an emphasis on it. I think there should be a lot more emphasis on looking after your mental health especially because they're like right you need to look after your physical health you need to look after you want to improve your technical ability you want to improve your tactical ability well, what about your mind your mind like drives all of that and I think that as I've got older I've, I've become a bit more a lot more aware of that um at the moment I usually will go for a walk kind of just to leave my phone just enjoy being outside and if I've got anything kind of mulling over I'll, I'll think about it and then when I get back it's kind of cleared or I'll go walk with one of my friends or my other half and just kind of clear everything and then when I'm back I'm fine. Um, I do enjoy reading. Um, I go through phases of sometimes reading loads and then not reading a lot. Um, I do listen to podcasts as well. I find that a great way kind of whether it's out of walking just putting a podcast in or um, yeah listening when I'm driving. Um, they would probably be the three things that I kind of do. Um, and then it, depending on how my schedule looks I do enjoy going to yoga classes um, or doing some yoga um, in my house um, just switching all my phone like put my phone away maybe putting a guided one on the television or just listening to one um, and following a flow so that would probably be the, the main things that I would do to kind of look after myself I see a lot of people say yoga and I've never tried yoga before I'm always a bit like a bit scared to try it skeptical yeah. yeah not even i wouldn't even say men i think just a lot of people are worried because they can't they don't think i can't get into those positions like um but actually it's quite good for like just focusing on yourself like your breathing um and just like yeah not not really thinking about anything else because sometimes when you're in certain poses 
you're not thinking about anything else other than how am I going to hold this position or how long have I got to stay here. Um, but I would say I would definitely say give it a go. Um, be open-minded with it and give it give it a chance. Um, I mean it's not for everybody, um, but I would say yeah, give it a, give it a wee go. There's a lot of good ones on uh, YouTube which are just uh-huh. kind of they're obviously free and stuff. So during lockdown, I did one every few days or every other day just to kind of add it to my daily kind of routine. So I've started getting into um, voice notes in the minute. I'll leave somebody a voice note. And I mumble so much. I listen back to them. I'm like, even I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> They're handy. They're very handy, actually. Voice notes. It's just a quick pick up and yeah. send your point and that's you done. I get I get anxious doing these until I, I until I start speaking to the person. Like when I first started speaking to you, I was like, oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> Why? I get it though because I'm the same yeah. with public speaking. Like I was saying, actually saying it to one of my friends. Like when I was younger, we had um, we'd have to do appearances sometimes with the club. Um, and when I was at Arsenal, like I mean, this was when I was 24, but I'm 30 now. But still, like I was. Growing up, I was always quite shy. I didn't really like speaking in front of like four or five people, never mind a hundred. And um, they were like, oh, do you, can you do this appearance tomorrow for us? And I was like, yeah, of course. They're like, it's at, at a school. I went to the school. Just before it, they were like, oh, the night before, they were like, yeah, it'll be like 200 kids and you'll just have to tell them about your career. And it's their leaving, it's their leaving um, assembly. So if you could give them some career advice too. And I was like, I was going to fall my... I was like stressed and I was writing out all the what to say and then I got to I got to the school and the development officer was like, Are you all right, Christine? I was like, No, I'm not all right. I'm like stressed. I'm worried. My hands were shaking. I had my bit of paper in front of me and I'm standing at the side of the stage and I'm like shaking and she's like, Are you all right? I was like, I just need a minute. Walk to the toilet. She thinks she thought I was being sick, but I wasn't. I was just trying to like <laughs> gather some courage to stand in front of all these people. Um I ended up ripping up my bit of paper. And then just going out and speaking to them. And from then on, I kind of was like, right, well, the only way I'm going to get better at doing stuff like that is by putting myself in the deep end and getting it wrong. Like, and if you get it wrong, you can always get it better as well, can't you? You look at bits you didn't do. But, um, yeah, I, I can totally sympathise and empathise with, like, getting anxious and speaking to people and speaking in front of people. Yeah. Are, are you married? A challenge. No, I'm not married. So that that was my big thing. So I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I did, I did. To like you, I'd written out this. I think it's like three A four pages of, of this speech, and it got to the day, and I was like, Nah, I'm not doing this. I'm just. I, I got my little list of bullet points out, which was like six bullet points, and I just fluffed my way through it. And you don't really just think. Fair play. That would have been so much better if I'd have read it out, but I felt better for it. <laughs> Good. Go you. You've got the main points, and if you hit them... Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I ended up insulting my mum at one point by saying that <laughs> he looks nice for once or something like that, and I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to live that down. But other than that, it was all right. But Nice one. It was. <laughs> that was one of the <laughs> big stage fright sort of things, I think. I mean, that's that's an okay one to get stage fright. That's a, that's a big moment. <laughs> well, I, I think I'd be more scared in front of a crowd of 200 school kids though i think that's more nerve-wracking because kids can do anything i think yeah they can actually to be fair <laughs> but i think i think you smashed it to be fair i think you i think you've done great <laughs> thank you very much for having me on
no thank you for coming on and yeah hopefully catch up in the future and um good luck for the rest of the season because you guys are mid table you're mid table at the minute aren't you i think you've got six six months yeah. so yeah and we're playing we're playing on saturday against Villa at Villa park so that'll be that's a derby so that'll be a good one thank you so much christy i'll speak to you very yeah speak to you soon you take care all right best of luck with your podcast as well thank you cheers see you later bye. bye thanks so much for christy for coming on the stress sessions that one was a little bit shorter than usual, but it was so lovely to speak to Christy and find out what it's like to be a professional and international footballer. On a side note, I'm not a mental health professional, nor do I claim to be. These podcasts are purely based on my own personal experiences and those of my guests, alongside some simple hints and tips along the way. If you're suffering from a mental illness, there's lots of amazing charities that will be able to help you by offering professional advice. So I've included a link to lots of them in the podcast notes. I hope you have a great rest of the week and the next episode of the Stress Sessions with award-winning public figure, mental health advocate and campaigner and all-round lovely guy, Joe Plum, will be out on Monday. I promise. See you then.